Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Hey, I am so glad you're here and thrilled to announce our guest, David Schloss, for today. I've known him for five years. I've worked with him myself. He's a brilliant marketer, a kind person who works and lives in integrity, and is just an awesome friend. Like He's just a guy that you want in your corner. David is an online entrepreneur who began marketing in 2007 from his college apartment. He now manages close to $3 million per month in paid advertising via Facebook and Instagram. His company, Convert ROI, is a highly successful digital ad agency focusing on Facebook and Instagram ads exclusively. And David also does consulting, intensive training events, keynote speaking alongside his private client work. Anyone that works with David knows that he's a master of his craft. So please join me in welcoming David Schloss to the show. And I'm glad you're feeling better, by the way. That was like a serious week or two. 10 days of battling internal, whatever the hell was going on. So yeah, I think it was my, it was the universe's way of telling me I need to slow down. That's how I look at it. It's like, well, what about your son? What about Leo? Like he's, he's doing better too. I mean, you have to think he's, he's 18 months old next week. The kid is teething and going to daycare and building an immune system all at the same time. Like he's going to have a a cluster of emotions and sickness and everything. Cause that's just, that's the growing process in the beginning. So, you know, he he'll get, he'll be better for a week and then he'll come back with something else. It's just a part of the process. Well, it's good that you know that though. I think some parents try to like shield their kids from everything. And then it's like, no, I mean, I got sick a ton when I was a kid. So for me, it was like, okay, now I need to build my immune system again because I haven't been outside basically in what feels like two years. And, um, you know, he gets sick, then I get sick. And every time that happens, it's like, okay, I need this because when I start interacting with people again, I don't want to immediately come back and just feel like crap. So I might as well just get sick from my kid and build this up again. So that way I can start having fun again and going out. Um, but yeah, I'm not trying to shield him. It's not like we're getting him in front of major viruses. We're talking about like stuffy nose, a little cough here and there, but the, the kid's teething. Like his, his temperature is going to fluctuate just from the fact that he's teething. So we have to just let it happen. And I think, uh, I think Erica and I are just willing to let that happen and not helicopter parent him. So it's like, go ahead, feel it, cry your brains out, do whatever you got to do, man. And we just let him go. You know, we just get used to it. We're like, okay, whatever, man. It's fine. Because you're, you're, he's building his strength. It's like, look, we're not going to coddle you. Because when you feel like crap, when you're 10, I'm not going to be hovering over you saying, are you okay? No, go take this and go in your room. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. <laughs> so, you know, that's how I was taught. And I'm going to do that to him too. So it's totally, he'll be fine. He'll be Starting good. young, it's good. And I mean, well, you were saying about the universe and you needing a break too. I mean, how do you manage that in your business? Because I feel like for me, I mean, not that I'm getting sick every month, but def- even with my period, in all honesty, I'll take days off where I'm like, I'm I'm out. Like, I'm just not. But And I'll make up the days on the weekend or whatever. I mean, the gift of entrepreneurship, cool. But like, how, how did you manage? I mean, 10 days, you're running 
all kinds of ads. Yeah. Like you have people, you have a team, like you have stuff going on. So how do you, how do you manage? Well, so I had, I had bronchitis. So I also lost my voice and that was fun. Uh, so I lost my voice. I was coughing constantly. I still have a lingering cough here and there, but nothing to where it's like, I can't focus. Right. But for the first couple of days, it was so bad that I actually pulled a muscle from how hard I was coughing. So it was one of those things where you're like, okay, is this, is this my body telling me I need rest? Okay. I'll go get some rest. And then you rest and you wake up the next day and it's, it's no better, if not worse. Okay. Do I need more rest? Let's try this again. And, and all I would do is basically, instead of operating a full work day, because in reality, most agencies don't need to work eight straight hours in a day. If you have a team, what you're really doing is you're hovering in certain processes, like you're in accounts, you're talking to your team, maybe you're working on some other stuff, but most agencies aren't just actually working eight straight hours, like the CEO or whoever's running the company. They're, they're usually doing strategy plans, maybe some onboarding, maybe talking to prospects and stuff. But for me, during that time, I had no prospects. And if I did, I had them book a week later because I was giving myself a whole week to just like, I got to figure this out. I have to at least get to the point where I could talk. So I would send the, the calendar link and I'm like, yeah, book a call knowing they can't book till a week later. Totally cool. So I took care of that. No problem. If my team needed me, I would only type. So that was interesting. So instead of being able to do something in five minutes, it would take me 15. So I would just be typing everything. And then on top of that, because my energy would fluctuate all day, I would only work in like chunks of like an hour or two at a time. So I would work for two hours, stop, work for two hours, stop. And I would do that throughout the day. I, I, I never take naps. And all of a sudden I was taking two naps a day. So I was, I was adapting to the new schedule all while still taking care of whoever was on my current client list, making sure they were like, hey, I am super sick. I'm going to get you a report though. So I would make sure that they at least got a, a update report, type the whole thing up, very detailed, almost like I was talking it out and then I would send it to them. So a lot of my time last week was just spent on keeping things up to date. I wasn't actually doing work in terms of like the ads. I left that to my team. I'm like, I can't focus on this level of, of interpretation of data. I just can't, my brain's not there right now, but I can create a report. I can make sure you guys are doing what you got to do. And I only need maybe five, six hours total per day, but on and off. So I would just do two hours, wait a couple, like wait an hour or two and then do it again. And, you know, that's to me was, was totally manageable. As long as I had those chunks of time where it's like everything was firing correctly. Like, oh, my brain's working. Go, go do something now. Like as long as I had that time, it was, everything was fine. Um, it just sucked where you're, you know, you want to record something and you can't because every three seconds you're coughing or your voice is gone or you're sweating because it's like, you feel like you have a fever, but you don't. And you know, it's, it's like all these weird things going on and you just got to deal with it. So um, unfortunately it took me close to 10 days to recover. Normally I don't get sick. That's the thing. You know, I, I went years without ever getting sick years, never, no flu shots, no nothing, just never got sick. And then all of a sudden, you know, my kid gets sick, gives it to me. I understand because my kid gets a different version of sickness than I do. I'm, I'm fine with that. But to get it twice in like a, a six week period, 
that's when I knew this is what happens when you're indoors for a year and a half, you know, you have no immunity, you know? So naturally I'm like, I'm just going to get sick a lot and I'm just rebuilding this again. So I just dealt with it. It wasn't fun, but I dealt with it. So, yeah. I think, I think that's awesome in so many ways. I mean, it could just sound like, okay, this is about you being sick, but I think it's how you actually run your business from what I've been able to observe over the years of kind of following along. I mean, stuff changes with Facebook and people will be critical. Oh, you know, Facebook ads don't work anymore. This doesn't work anymore. That like you are always just this voice of reason. That's like, Hey, it's changing. We're going to figure it out. We're going to move on. We'll learn from this. Like I, I really love your attitude about, okay. Yeah. Being sick, but it's like, I think you bring that into your business too, actually. Cause you're just constantly yeah. evolving with what's needed, right? You're never like, this is the way it's done. And I'm not, it's like, no, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> adapt with the situation. Right. So I adapted to being sick and kept the business running, right. Instead of shutting down the business for a week and a half, it kept going. People thought I was working and I wasn't right. So it's like, cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. Facebook decides that they're going to change the pixel for what seems like the fourth time in the last 10 years. Okay, fine. I'll figure out what this looks like in six months because most people don't recognize that they've done this before. This is maybe a little more like in your face and, you know, it's more of a life-changing event in terms of Facebook than everything else in the past because of iOS, but it's not like they haven't done this before. They, they've made changes to the pixel. They've made changes to the dashboard. They've made changes to ads manager and business manager. Every time there's a change, everyone freaks out for a couple of weeks. In this case, it's been like a month and people then realize a month later, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. Hello. This happens every time. Like, just be patient. So the real effect, you don't feel the real effect of a change until four to six months later, because you have to see the adaption rate. In this case with iOS, it's like, how many people are updating their phones? I can tell you right now, I didn't. I, st I have the update. I didn't take it. And it's not because I'm an ads guy. I just naturally don't care. I'm not going to update it until they force me. That's what I do, right? So I think only like 10% of iOS users have actually updated their phone, which means that we haven't felt the effect of it yet. So until the other 90% are forced to update, because naturally at some point we're going to be forced then we will feel the effect of that, which of course Apple would do this. It's right in Q4, which is when all of us make our money in the advertising space. So yeah, they're gonna make us go through hell in a handbasket in Q4 and that's fine. But even then I'm not gonna panic because you may not be tracked anymore on Facebook. That doesn't mean I can't run ads on Facebook. I'm still gonna run them. There's gonna be third party tools that have tracking. So instead of being dependent on Facebook's tracking, I will use someone else's tracking. And as long as it merges with Facebook, I will be fine. So I have no reason to, to panic. I think a lot of the people who panicked are just beginners. They're amateurs. Like they don't know what's going on. Uh, they learned how to run ads from a course and they never went beyond that, right? They just, they got what they needed. They made money, but they never were becoming free thinkers and, and visionaries around the concept of advertising on a network. Like they're not thinking beyond the network. They're only thinking from what they have in terms of their frame of reference that they've learned, which is a course, maybe a couple of websites they learned from, and that's it. They've never tried to go beyond that on their own. That's all I've done since the beginning. This is 14 years I've run ads on Facebook. There was no course when I started. So I've had to figure things out as I go. And because of that, 
I don't freak out when something happens. I just go, great. I'm gonna go test it now. Oh, a new, a new placement. I'm gonna go test it immediately. Oh, there's a, a new ad type. I'm gonna go test it like right now. And that just allows me to break through whatever resistance I create for myself on doing it where it's like, Oh, this is going to suck. It's not going to work. Get it out the way. Might as well go ahead and try it. And then if it sucks, I could try it again later and maybe it'll get better. Right. So when this whole thing changed and they're like, you got to update your domain and change your events and great. I suffered for a week, figured it out. And then that was it. I was like, great. Now we go back to business. So, yeah. I love it. It's so important because it transcends any industry. I think it's just an attitude. It's a mindset more than what it is you're dealing with. Like if it's Facebook or an illness or parenting your kid, like they're all perfect examples of, look, we just figure it out as we go because things are constantly changing and we're never going to have every single answer. There's no course about, I guess there are parenting courses and stuff, but it's like, you can't get it perfect. Oh, there's a ton of them. <laughs> but there, no, you can't, I didn't go through any of them. Yeah. No, even every kid is different. Every parent's different. You know, just, it's like, just like ads, every, every advertiser is different. Every advertiser has their own little stamp on what they do. But here's the funny thing. We're all on the same network. We all have the same placements. We all have the same targeting. The only thing that we can do differently is set up campaigns differently. Maybe our theory in terms of like the type of campaign is different. And then our creative is different. Creative and copy. That's the only pieces that could be different. Those are also the most important pieces. Everything else is exactly the same. You have the same targeting as me, the same capability of creating lookalikes and retargeting and all all that stuff's the same. So the only reason you can differentiate yourself from me is because you write copy differently. You create images and video differently, or you set up a campaign differently. If you don't do anything differently than me on those three fronts or four fronts, we're doing the exact same thing. And so if my ads are performing better than yours, sorry, that's just the way it is. But we all have the same tools. It's just, are you using them? Are you learning with them? Like, what are you doing to evolve? And I think a lot of people have just built this business on template, templatizing everything, right? Templatize the creative, templatize the copy, templatize how you create the campaigns. That only goes so far. And then as soon as the platform evolves, all of that stuff has to be refreshed again, right? So I feel that's where, like right now at least, you know, all the stuff that I created in the past still works because it's all foundational material. So it's like the, the strategy doesn't change. It's just how you set things up changes. And that's where it's like, okay, whatever. Facebook wants to make a, a change to the whole platform. So be it. We'll deal with it. We'll figure it out later and... uh yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. Oh, I love that. You were even, before we started recording, you were talking about how some people are even doing audio only now mm-hmm. with their videos. And then I was telling you because I want to run funnels again. And you had done such a great job last time. You gave a really good example. Like even before when I was running ads, I mean, I was profitable in the first month off of the ads that you ran for me, just off mm-hmm. of one, one coaching client that yeah. I signed. I mean, okay, it was, I was doing live coaching. So, you know, you make more if you're doing something yourself like that, you know, coaching per hour, but still, I mean, you're just like an absolute master when it comes to getting results in the space, at least with coaching, because that's what I know that you do. But so I guess 
I guess I'm just curious because you said the one part that we can really alter is the creative part, right? Like the copy and the content. And you said people have to really be sharp on content these days. So what are you seeing is working in terms of content? Um, because it feels like there are so many coaches. I mean, when I started coaching and I was working online and I was a digital nomad, you know, it wasn't that cool <laughs> eight, nine, 10 years ago, but now it's like everybody's a remote worker because of COVID. Um, so I've seen people jump on so many different bandwagons, whether it's Bitcoin or coaching or, um, they're an influencer now, like everybody's kind of on the, well, it feels like a lot of people are. So I don't know, what are you seeing that's working to set people apart in the creative side of things? Yeah, it's, it's even with the, we'll call the zoom, the zoom life that we've created in the last month and you know year and a half, excuse me people finally have taken their personality and used it in their, in their advertising more because Facebook, for example, and Instagram, we got very dependent on being able to create images all the time, just like pumping out images because it was, it's effortless, right? You send some stuff over to a designer, they knock it out for you. You got 20 ads, right? You don't have to think. And a lot of the network was that for years, and I remember preaching when video first was open up on Facebook. I'm like, everyone who's doing video is just going to kill it because no one else is doing video at the time. Then as e-commerce evolved, a lot of e-commerce stores were like, maybe if we do video, we'll stand out. Of course, because no one else is doing video. And now it's almost like if you don't do video, you're going to fall behind because everyone's doing video. But at the same time, because everyone's doing video, that means if you're doing imagery, you stand out again because everyone's doing video. So it's almost like going back to your, your roots, your, the foundation. Can you create a, a image that stops people in their tracks to have them read? Because that's the thing about a video. People don't read if there's a video. They listen or they watch, especially if they, they can't listen to it um, out loud. They might read the captions but they won't read your long copy. They won't even read your short copy unless it's an image. An image forces you to read because there's nothing else there. It's, oh, what's this? Then they read the copy. So you can better qualify in a way where it's like, interesting, huh? The image got me. I read this whole story. I like what I'm reading. Now I'm gonna click through. And they're more susceptible to buying or registering or whatever because they've read all your copy. So when people create these videos now, they realized, well, if my copy is really strong, whether it's verbal or written, I can get people to take an action faster. So they started to take themselves out of the equation where it's like, oh, I don't have to be on camera, but they want me to be on camera in terms of like, I need to be doing something visual. Okay. What if I just do like the old school slideshow style, put the words on the screen and just talk. Because bringing that, that's come back again. It's like all of a sudden you see ads like that and they weren't that popular for a while. There was a couple of years where everyone's like, they don't work anymore. But they were very popular when videos first came out because everyone's like, I don't want to be on camera. I just want to do slideshow style. Great. And it worked for years. And then all of a sudden, if you jumped on camera, it was like, everyone loved you because now all of a sudden you're front, front and center. Now it's like everyone's front and center. So if you go back to the old school, way of doing it all of a sudden it works again so i'm finding that the voiceover with the slides or the voiceover with like 
you know, B-roll transitions and like the video is creative. It's very creative in terms of like how it's structured, but it's just a voiceover. Those work just as well now as if I'm standing in front of a whiteboard or if I'm standing in front of a green screen with stuff going on behind me, because people now pay more attention to what's being said. They're not easily influenced anymore by just like, oh, he's on camera. He must be, must be doing well. Like it's, everyone has a camera now. We have a phone, like it's all here. So there's nothing special about it anymore. So that's why, like, if you can make images that stop people in their tracks, or you can do video that people are just like blown away, then naturally they're just going to buy whatever you have out there. Um, I did a Facebook promotion for my course and I just did images because I was trying to prove that I didn't have to do video because everyone on Facebook's like video, video, video. I was like, nah, just do, I'll just do images, see what happens. And all I did was an image of results. And I put my little, I put my face in the bottom right corner as a joke. So I was just like, I'll just put me in the bottom right, almost like a little logo. And then I'm just going to make the whole image results. I'm just talking about case studies and results. That's it. The boring stuff. And the great thing is that all the people that saw those ads ended up buying my course because they were like, oh, he's just talking about results. Like he's not trying to, he's not trying to overdo it. Like I'm not doing some crazy videos or nothing. And it worked. It worked to the point where like my ads were, they were always profitable, but Facebook is such a subject that people are overdone. Like it's, it's been promoted so heavily that some people just have a lot of doubt. It's like, how do I know this works? I don't know, dude, I've been doing it for 14 years. Like if it didn't work, I wouldn't be doing this for 14 years. Right. But at the same time, the timing of this is interesting because now there's, there's the panic and uncertainty and all that. So to have an ad that at least stops people and makes them think and wonder like, what does he know that I don't know? That was enough to get people to buy my course. And by the way, I sent people straight to a sales page. I just didn't even, I was like, yeah, you can watch some free videos, but like the course is here. Yeah. I did webinars. Funny enough, they were okay, but I sent people straight to a sales page with tons of proof and they still bought because, because that's the thing. It's like, how much do I really have to prove to you that I know what I'm doing? Here's every testimonial I got. Here's dozens of screenshots. Here's every face of every person I've done ads for. There's 500 of them. Like, what else do you need? And if that doesn't get you to buy, then I don't need you, right? That's, that's the whole point is this is what you got. This is your chance. And people still bought. And so I'm finding that now you don't have to oversell. You know, the webinar, the five-part series, the major event, 5,000 people are, no, sorry. You don't need to do all that anymore. Just show people what they want to see and that's it. And you can move on. So, well, so what do you do for somebody starting a course or starting this who doesn't have 14 years, or maybe they have, like, for me, I'm just thinking of myself, like, okay, I don't have 15 years of selling a course, but I've certainly been coaching for, mm -hmm. I don't know, whatever. So I've got years of coaching, but let's say I'm launching a course now, right? Yeah. Like, so I'm going to launch this course. I don't have 500 faces from this course in particular to say this course does, you know, it's going to help you find a job that, or, you know, build a career that you love. Okay. Well, you still have proof. You still have proof because you've done this for years. Right. But if we're talking about a complete newbie. Sure. Starting from scratch. So what they have to put out there is essentially what is their unique selling proposition? Like, what is it about their process that's different from everyone else? Right. So for example, if I had to start over. If I had to start over today and I didn't use any of my testimonials or anything, I'd be able to talk about how I have 18 different ways of scaling accounts. And I know this because I counted. I put them on a document. 
I have 18 ways of scaling accounts. And I don't mean scaling accounts and just blowing through budget. Anyone can do that. I'm talking about 18 different ways I get scale ad accounts profitably. I'd give that away. You want to learn the 18 methodologies to scaling ad accounts profitably? Here you go. Sign up for my webinar. Sign up for my multi-part series. Sign up for whatever, right? That's my unique selling proposition. If I don't want to do the scaling methodologies, here's seven things I do to keep accounts compliant and never get shut down. You see, like I have other things that I can utilize that aren't testimonial driven, case study driven, that could still bring people in. So if you think about coaching, right? Most coaches I know, funny enough, they do have a coaching student or two before they ever start running ads. So they were able to convince someone to let them be coached before they ever started to become a coach out in the open, right? Most of the people I know. Then there are the coaches who are like, I'm a coach now. Have you coached anyone? No. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Right? <laughs> now, now we got we to gotta figure out what makes you different. But that's the whole thing. It's like, what's that one thing that if you taught somebody, they would be blown away? Just one thing, right? I have a buddy who's a business coach. There's thousands of business coaches out there. But he has one way that he shows people how they can fix up their operations so they have more scalability with their sales team that I've never seen taught before, shows it to companies on like how to restructure their, their sales process. And every time the, the sales team does anywhere from 10 to 50% more in sales. And I'm like, that's the, that's the proposition. Like you should be selling that all the time. And he's like, that's what I do. He goes, I just do it in person. I show them like a couple of things they can do. Next thing you know, they're signed on for, you know, for the whole year working with me. And he goes, I only need 10 clients and I'm making a million bucks a year because it's like, I get a piece of everything too. So naturally it's like, that's his selling point. That's he only has one thing. And that one thing is what gets him all the deals. So for me, it's like, I'll talk about scaling. I, everyone I talk to says like, oh, I, I, I've heard like, you know how to scale. Literally yesterday, I signed a guy that said, I was brought to you because so-and-so said, you know how to scale. That's it. Didn't say anything else. That was it. Great. So I'm known as the guy who scales accounts. Great. That's all I need to know. That's all they need to know. I will not talk about anything else. I scale businesses, period. And that's it. So if you are brand new, even if you have no case studies, no testimonies or nothing, you still need one thing. So what's the one thing? And if you don't have the one thing, you need to create the one thing. Figure it out. Sit down, write down everything you're great at and see if any of those things make you unique. And if they don't, work with someone to figure it out. Like, it's not difficult. I think we all overcomplicate this because it's like, I don't have a mentor. Find one. Where? <laughs> Ask your friends. Like, it's not hard. <laughs> oh, I, I, need a, I need a coach. You're a coach though. Yes. Okay. Who do you know that are coaches? I don't know any. Ask your friends. <laughs> who, who are their coaches? Like, some of these things that I hear, it just blows me away. So I'm just like, okay, like, why are you scared of asking for help? That's a big one. Taking initiative to ask, you know, and being okay with not knowing, like, this is the whole even thesis of what you've said, right? You're like, okay, I don't know how this Facebook pixel is going to be six months down the line, but I'm going to figure it out. And that's, but you're okay with that. You're okay with uncertainty. You're okay with un not knowing the unknown, right? It's like, Oh, I don't know. People false. They have these false, this false confidence almost that like, yeah, I took this course, like you said, or whatever. It's like, yeah, I know everything now about Facebook ads. It's like, 
oh my God, the more I learn about, about coaching, about career design, about what six, you know, successful people, somebody like yourself, who's done really well in what they do. It's like, I realize how little I do know and how much more curious I need to be about things. That's all I know for sure. Like how little I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a weird kind of function of like the more confident someone is and the less likely they're willing to ask for help. It's like, I don't know, the more unexperienced they are or something somehow there's Maybe. like, Maybe, but then at the same time, it's like not everyone wants to ask for help because it's a pride thing. You know, they just, they don't want to feel weak or they don't want to be perceived as that. And it's like, no, what you're really doing is you're, you're asking for help because you don't know what to do next. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like you, you, you just don't know what the next step needs to be. And then for, for someone like me, like if I want to make 5 million bucks, I've never made 5 million bucks. I need to talk to someone who has. Who do you know has done that? Ask people in my network who have businesses. Who do you know has done this? Oh, so-and-so, cool. Can you hit them up for me and make an intro? And if not, who do I need to talk to so I can get through to them, right? So it's, I'm just asking questions. And if they're not someone I can talk to because maybe they got a bunch of you know, hoops to jump through, who else do you know? Just keep asking the questions until I can get the answer that I need so I can make the next move. And so, you know, I run ads. We all know this. When I run into an issue, I pay other ads people for help. I pay their consulting. Hey, I need 20 minutes. That's it. Yes. Why? Because I ask a thousand questions in 20 minutes. I don't need more than that, but I know exactly what I need. So what's your consulting rate uh, per hour? Oh, it's a thousand bucks. Well, I'm only going to need you for 20 minutes. So how about we do half? Okay, cool. I'll pay it. And when I pay it, I literally ask, a thousand questions because I'm prepared. I'm ready. The minute we start, there is no, Hey, how you doing? But no, no, no. I got 20 minutes. I'm going to bombard you with questions. I'm gonna get every answer I need. And then I'm gonna move on because that's what I'm paying you for. Right. Cause that's what people do to me. So I'm gonna do it to them too. But I also know I don't have every answer and I have people I trust in my network. So I have no problem paying them for their time. And when I get the answer I'm looking for, I go and test it and I move on. And then if it leads to something positive, Thank you, man. Or thank you, you know, whomever. Here's a testimonial for you for helping me break through this, this, this cluster of a situation I was in, right? Because most people are just willing to sit in their BS, whatever they want to create. Oh, I'm, oh, things aren't working. Well, how long do you not want them to work? You want to just sit there for five months and be like, woe is me. You know, I can't figure this out. We had a pandemic. I didn't make money for four months. And instead of sitting there going, oh my God, my business is falling apart. I just didn't pay myself for four months. I made sure my team was fine. I made sure they got paid. I told them we have six months to figure this out. If we don't figure this out in six months, I'm going to have to start cutting some of you, unfortunately, but we're going to figure this out. Took four months. Didn't pay myself. Everyone stayed on board. We figured out a plan of action. We started to recoup the team, uh, the team in terms of like, let's get some prospects. Let's get things moving. And we were fine because we worked as a team. And I called people and I paid people just advice. I kept things moving. And then once we figured out the, the system we needed, we executed it four months later. Not only did I start paying myself again, I put all the money back in that I took out to pay the team. But I just went to work. So I don't know why a lot of people like to just sit in their, in their story because that's what business has become these days. It's like, I'm a coach, but I can't get coaching students. Okay. How long have you discovered this? Oh, I haven't had a student in four months. Why? 
why are you waiting so long to figure out your problem? <laughs> Go do something, you know? So yeah, you could see where this all connects, right? It's the same thing happens with ads. I can't scale. Okay. Who have you contacted about scaling? No one. Who have you asked about scaling? No one. Okay. That's your first problem. You haven't asked anyone. Who do you know can help me scale? Once you get that done, you'll be introduced to 20 people. Then you need to start sifting through these people and find the ones that work for you, right? So a lot of things can be figured out so quickly if you just ask questions. And all my friends who are super successful ask the most questions. They, they are the best student because they ask the most questions. Even the ones that make tens of millions of dollars. A buddy of mine called me last night. Business does $40 million a year. His multiple businesses all together make about $40 million. And he called me asking me questions on Facebook. I'm like, dude, you crush it. What do you need me for? You have a whole team. Yeah, but you taught like half my team how to run ads and they don't know how to answer this question. Okay, fine. You got me there. So ask away. And 20 minutes later, he had his answer and I'm sure he's doing it right now. So it's like, you know, you just got to keep going and, and no reason to not figure things out when you have such a network out there that can help you. But it's like you said, it's ego and getting stuck in the story and we just talk ourselves out of things. And so yeah. I love that you put stuff into action. And that's why, I mean, even with me, I'm like, okay, David, I want a course. Like what, what can we do? Let's launch this course. And so mm-hmm. but it took me weeks to finally get the final and everything. Cause it's just, it's this perfectionism thing, or it's like, what are people going to think? David's going to yep. think it sucks. Like what? So this whole internal dialogue, I mean, yeah, that that's real. And I think what I hear you saying is just, well, but screw it. Like find, <laughs> find solutions, take action, test things because not everything will work anyway. So at least you have to get out there and test them. Right. Most things won't, most things won't work. And yeah. what will happen is all it takes is one, right? So they talk about the one funnel, the one ad, the one, anything, because it's true. You have one ad that works. You can make a million bucks. You got one funnel that works with this one ad. It can go on for a very long time. But in order to get to that one, you probably had to fail 99 other times. And two things will happen. You either fear failing or you start to fail and you fear how many more times you're going to fail before something works. So you get stuck either way, right? You never start or you start and then you stop. That's what most people do. And ads is the same way. So my job is... I take over your account so you don't have to feel what it's like to fail every day because advertising is a lot of failure. I'm deploying ads that mostly don't work. Then one works and I make you a ton of money and I look like a genius, but you don't realize I launched a hundred other ads to get this one ad. And then I made you a bunch of money after the fact, right? So I'm doing all the failing for you. I'm, I'm, I'm taking in the emotional brunt that comes with launching all these things. And then realizing that, oh, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Oh, this works. So I'm dealing with that for you, right? But then there's other pieces to business that you have to go deal with, right? You have to hire and fire people. You have to go structure your company. You got to go pay your taxes. I don't have to deal with that. I'm just working on this one thing, but I'm really good at this one thing. And so let me fail for you, right? So, you know, some people can't do that. They just don't want to, or they don't like to see an ad get rejected or, an account gets shut down and it's like they freak out and then they can't, they can't run ads anymore. Like everything sucks now and I don't want to do it. So what do you, I mean, how do you, 
because I think we've kind of circled around, maybe we've even touched upon this, but how, so how do you just keep going? It's like, you're constantly willing to fail for that one out of a hundred or, I mean, I actually think your ratio would be a lot better than that. I think you, like you're, you're pretty damn good at what you do. And it's remarkable. Like you, you hit the nail on the head for me. Right. I mean, we, we started ads and then I got some wins and then it was like, okay, but this is scary. I don't know. And so like, let's, let's just wait. But I mean, we were profitable month one with what you did, David. So I, I think your stats are probably way, way better, but how do you keep positive or keep resilient through failure after failure or perceive or more like, it's more like an experiment almost, but like, yeah. uh, so test after test after test, like, how do you, how do you keep it going? Well, cause at the end of the day, you know, the end goal is that you're, you're looking for that one thing right? We keep talking about the one thing. And that for, in this case, it'd be that one ad, that one ad that could take your business to six figures or seven figures. And there are some ads that you'll launch that can get you to 10,000 or 50,000, but they won't necessarily get you to a hundred. Right. And I think for me, it's like, it's like a video game. A lot of this is like a video game. Cause at the end of the day, I'm pushing buttons all day. That's what I'm doing. I'm typing and I'm pushing this mouse and I am figuring things out. And I'm doing it in a way where it's all done methodically and it's all strategized to where it's like, hopefully this one thing is the one that leads to X amount of sales, or this one thing is the one that leads to X amount of coaching students or, you know, however many sales from this store. Right. But at the end of the day, it's, it's like, it's basically like going to the gym, right? So every ad account is a different gym. Some of them are a little more complex. Some of them are very basic. Some accounts are Planet Fitness. Some accounts are Gold's Gym. You could tell who's been in there a lot and who's done the work, and you could tell who's just getting started. They're paying 10 bucks a month for a membership, and they're just getting on the treadmill. And then there's other people who are like, I've been benching 500 pounds for five years now. I want to figure things out and go to 510. Got it. Totally understand. So every account's like a new gym. So for me, I'm training the same muscle all day long, but my muscles are different in different accounts. Some of them are just like, spend as much as you can, and figure it out. And other ones are like, you have this, you have this specific budget and you have to figure it out within this specific budget. Right. So at the end of the day, because I've had all these different scenarios that I've been given over the years, that muscle has been trained to accept failure. It's been trained to accept it because even if my percentage is not 1% of my ads will work, let's just say 35% of my ads work. Right. Let's just say that. Well, okay. So out of 165 of them won't. And I have to accept that a batting average in baseball, if you hit 300, which is 30%, you're doing amazing. That's amazing. If you make 30% of your shots in basketball, that's bad. That means you're not, you should be making 40 to 50% unless you're a three point shooter, 30 to 40%. So it's like, there's, it's the law of averages. So I look at it as this, if I use sports as an analogy, cause I love sports. If I'm batting 300, I'm doing fantastic. If I'm shooting 40% from three, I'm awesome. If I'm making 50% of my regular shots, I'm amazing. Like those, these are things where it's like, okay, if athletes who have a very complicated job can achieve those percentages and be considered amazing, then if I'm doing similar numbers on an advertising account, I'm obviously doing amazing too because it's equating to, to money. So if I can get just one ad to work, I can make someone million dollars. I like that average of one out of 100 if I just get one, you make a million bucks. I think that's a great, a great thing to work on. And that's what drives me. 
That's a huge thing to work on. I love the analogy with sports too. I guess a more tactical question that I've been curious about always is like, okay, if you do make a million though, okay, on ads, so you make a million bucks. I mean, how much are you realistically actually taking home? Because you see people online, right? It's like, oh, I just, this one girl that I always see, Danielle something. I feel like she's- Leslie, in, probably. Yeah, she's like, I, I see her all the time. And it's like, I just made- a million dollars sitting on my Ikea chair in my living room or whatever. And I'm like, okay, like, but so you make a million, how much are people keeping out of that? When it Some comes? people are keeping a ads. lot. Yeah. Some people are keeping a lot. If it's the Danielle that I think you're talking about, I used to run ads for a Danielle. So it's probably the same one. Um, she makes a lot of money. She keeps a lot of it too. But a lot of the people who let's say have a $10 million a year business and they're coaches, consultants, course creators, yeah, they're spending a good chunk of that on ads, right? So let's just say if they're doing 10 million, they might be spending two or 3 million on ads. Now that's not what they're keeping. Here's the other thing you got to remember. They still have a team. They still have email. They still have SMS. Like if you add all the software, maybe there's six figures in software, honestly, like when you really start to push it with email, you could start paying 3K a month in email expenses, right? 4K a month. I know plenty of accounts that I manage where their email is like four to 5K a month that they're having to manage because the lists are so deep and segmented and all that stuff. Then you got the team. Now, if you have a team of five to 10 people, that's six figures in salaries you're paying. If their salaries are contractors, right. Then after it's all said and done, you got taxes, right? So take out, let's just pretend 50% of that revenue is expensable. So now you're down to 5 million. Then you got your taxes on top of that. If you're smart and you have a good accounting team, legal team, wealth management team, you probably got some real estate. You probably got some stocks. You probably got some other stuff. Even then, you're going to get taxed on a couple million bucks. And then after all that is said and done, you'll probably put some of that away and do whatever the hell you want with it. So my buddy who makes $40 million, he has a team of 30 people, okay? It's a lot of salaries to cover. They all have health insurance. They all got retirement. Okay, that's a big chunk of money right there. Seven figures worth, right? Each of the businesses has different breakdown. Some of the margins are 40%, some are 5%, right? So even after it's all said and done, he might take home a couple million bucks before his investments, before he decides what he wants to do with the money. He's, at the end of the year, though, he only gets taxed on maybe 750 grand, a million bucks, because he moves money around constantly. So the smart ones who make all this money will move it around and on paper look like they don't make anything. But the ones who say they make a lot, and you're like, wait a minute, how much are they really spending though? Like you don't really know. They, they live a very flashy life. Most of those people who live flashy lives don't make a lot of money. It's mostly fake. Uh, so they probably spend just as much as they make in most cases. It's the ones who are silent and just do the job and, and get results. They're the ones keeping the most money because they're not flaunting it. Yeah, they might have a cool toy here and there, but you know, my buddy who makes all this money, no one knows that he owns, you know, 20 real estate properties. No one owns, knows that he owns multiple millions of dollars in crypto. No one knows that his house is only 600 grand though. He doesn't have a million dollar house. He has a $600,000 house in a very nice neighborhood. So you would think he's just some normal guy with a high middle-class job. They don't know he's worth millions upon millions of dollars, right? So it's, what do you do with your money? I think a lot of these course creator people, they step into a new level of money and they just blow it. And then they just revert back to their old ways. So, yeah. Whoa. That's like, I feel like, oh man, that's like a whole other episode. I, I feel like, I mean, I'm so grateful for you introducing me to Ian and some of those people that are in the financial space. I mean, that's like a whole 
truly other episode. I don't know. I'm look, gonna... And look at how they live. Do they look like they're flaunting ever? No, no, no. no. Most of the time, I mean, those guys are worth so much money and you would never know. You would never know because they keep their mouth shut. They just do the job. They make people money and they move on. They don't talk about what they make. I could tell you that without saying who, some of the people I introduced you to are worth millions of dollars. Their kids are worth more than us. That's how much money they have set aside for them, right? Like that, that's the type of situation they've established. And they just don't flaunt it. They don't have to. They just do the job and move on. So, yeah. Yeah, but I love that. And being humble is, it goes even beyond the flaunt. Like it's such a, again, an attitude, right? Or a way of life of just like, I'm here to serve. And those guys that you're talking about and you as well, like so just show up in service every time we chat. And that's, that's, I think why you're very successful. And so were they. And I even look at my father who's similar where he'll wear, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, but he's there every day and he owns multiple auto body shops and he's rocking, but it's like, he's just, he's not showing up, you know, in a suit and in a crazy car. Like he's just there to help people and he gets the results. So I I love that answer actually so much. And I, I want to make sure we have five minutes to, to wrap up on our stuff that we need to do. So I just want to thank you so much for being here on the show and for being willing to share so many gems today. I think I learned a lot and I know everyone listening will too. So thank you. And I'll post, if you want to get in touch, um, I'll post your, your site and we'll, we'll get some links for people to check you out. I know if anyone wants to run ads, you are a hundred percent the person I would send them to. So thank, thank you. you so much, David, for being here. Thank you.